Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic, cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with a friend and say positive things about us. This is the biggest way the podcasts grow. If you've not yet given us a five-star review and a five-star rating and a glowing review on your favorite podcast platform, please do so now. Follow, follow us on Twitter at, at ClergyLay and join our Facebook discussion group. Uh, I am Kirk Haberman, a church musician, and this is my brother, Chris, an eminent and well-renowned, well-known priest. How are you, Christopher? Kirk, I'm great. I'm great. I'm adjusting to summer. We were kind of thrust into it. And by summer, I mean, not just <laughs> the season. I mean, and I don't mean the weather. I, I mean, like the, the, the time of year when school's out and uh, kids are doing different activities. Um, and so that's just been an adjustment. We went straight from uh, the day after school was over. We left for our trip to Kentucky. And uh, ever since we got back, we've been adjusting. And clearly um, that's something that you and I both are adjusting to because we have not found a time in this new summer schedule <laughs> to record. Uh, we're usually pretty reliably when you get home from school on Thursdays, um, we meet up on Zoom and record the podcast. And uh, we've missed, uh, we missed last week because we just didn't connect. And this is in fact, is a Saturday, Kirk. And right. you, you have Saturday hair. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Fortunately, um, it doesn't really kind of translate over the microphone, so that's uh, to everyone's benefit. Yeah, I definitely. I um, I I got up leisurely today. Uh, made made waffles for everybody. Just kind of putzed around, wiping stuff down in the kitchen. Uh, went outside, mowed about two thirds of the backyard. Kept an eye on the clock. You and I had a time when we wanted to uh <laughs> that we blew past. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh and 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 here we here we are. And I still, yeah, it looks like I just got out of bed. It's it's great. Um it's 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 one of the one of the few benefits of uh being a teacher, man. Kirk, you are a well-known baker. <laughs> um yes. well known among people you know and well known among listeners of the podcast as you accost drivers um for various things like yeast or maybe just inform them that it's yeast listen i demand a excellence <laughs> from from those who are delivering my uh my 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 my, my, my basics for baking and uh, and i also de demand timeliness and sometimes yeah so any and, and and i um like to shout at them what it is that they've delivered just so <laughs> they can feel like they have they, they contributed they're doing some good in this world 
um, they're sure. spreading joy, happiness, sweetness, and light and, and yeast. So you're, you're, you are proclaiming the Protestant doctrine of vocation. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Even the hangman glorifies God, even the FedEx driver. <laughs> even God. that. Well, I don't know the FedEx. Let's not go that far. <laughs> Maybe UPS. But um, I, I have questions about waffles because I know that you uh, you do everything homemade. I made pancakes this morning yes. from a Krusty's Just Add Water mix, <laughs> which, which is, uh, I'm sure, an abomination to many people. If you're going to do a mix, don't do Just Add Water. At least do the one where you have to add the egg and whatever. But uh, I know you make buttermilk pancakes. Tell me about your, your homemade waffle recipe. Okay. <laughs> uh, there was a period of time when I, my waffle recipe was, I'm about to scandalize everyone. There's a oh, time. Okay. Is, it, my, is it crusties just add water? No. Okay. There's a time when my waffle recipe was different from my pancake recipe, but now I just take the pancake recipe and pour it into the waffle maker. Okay. <laughs> so is that is that scandalous to, to everyone who thought that you were uh, a person of taste and distinction? Uh, well, waffle <laughs> recipes, how do they differ? Um, like more egg Oftentimes maybe? they have more sugar in them. More sugar, okay. Interestingly, um, sometimes they have molasses or things to make them, I think, kind of thicker and heartier. Um, but I, but I, I find that when, when I first experimented with it, it, I realized that this is great. It translates well. Can we talk uh, size and shape? Um, so it's interesting. We were raised with um, waffle makers that had little squares, mm -hmm. much like Eggo waffles. Right. Um, and uh, is is it our Bel is it Belgian waffles that have the bigger squares? Like if you go to a hotel, that is a waffle. It's Belgian. Okay. Uh, what's your waffle maker? Is it is it Belgian or is it is it um, whatever the other one's called? Amer often, American. <laughs> as is often the case. Um, one rebels against um, things mm. from one's childhood. I have a Belgian waffle maker. Yeah. Ah, okay. With the with the and the great thing about the big, uh, what should we call them? Divots. <laughs> is they, just call them squares? Big squares? Big squares? There's probably there's probably a term for them, but great big gluttonous pools oh. of melted butter and maple syrup. See, interesting. That's that's what I don't like about them. It's it's just like kind of excessive um mm. where the little ones it's straight easier to distribute so are you a, a straight up syrup guy or do you no. do you do fruit uh do you do whipped cream i do butter um lots of butter lots of butter butter's key uh and then and then uh, it's, uh maple syrup this has been an upgrade in our lives recently mm. this is like a theme of mine occasionally when i when i have an epiphany i realize that like why am i eating corn syrup I, on my I, Right. So you and I have a mutual friend who one day was like cutting up green peppers for a salad and like miserably doing so and had a revelation like I'm an adult and I don't like green peppers. And from now on, I'm only going to buy red and yellow peppers. And so that's what he does because he doesn't have to live that way. So this is my phrase. Like, I don't have to live this way. There's one day I was like putting on like the crappy corn syrup syrup. Yeah. Pancake uh, and waffle syrup, which is which is corn syrup. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, because anytime I'm at a place that has maple syrup, I'm just oh like, this is the best thing ever. And because it, it is just an upgrade. It is. It just oh, yeah. yeah. And I just had an epiphany. I'm like, I don't have to live like this. And so the kids get the corn syrup because they can't tell the difference. And maple syrup is so much more expensive. Yeah. Oh, it's. And which is the only reason to buy the other stuff. 
Um, right. Yeah. And we jealously, <laughs> my wife and I jealously covet. We, we, we alone your special jug, partake yeah. of the maple syrup. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how we roll. So, but butter, butter is the key to me. Like butter is the prime ingredient that makes pancakes and waffles like delightful, I think. And Kirk, do you, do you know the upgrade that I made in my life that I realized like once you make it, you can't go back. So, I mean, obviously the upgrade from margarine to butter, like we grew up with margarine because it was probably 20% of the cost of butter, but among butter to upgrade from regular butter store, store brand or whatever to Irish butter oh, is the necessary yeah. upgrade that, that everyone ought to make. Yes. I, I don't know enough about what makes it different. Is it no Irish idea. cows? Do you, um, <laughs> do you like, do, do, do like it's the gloomy skies front. Yeah. It's the gloomy skies that makes the, the, the milk just more delicious. <laughs> um, does, does someone, someone read, uh, like Finnegan's wake to them as they're being milked? I, I, I don't, I don't know. It's the trauma well, it of the troubles that, that, uh, <laughs> like the traumatized cow. Yeah. Right, we, we it, could, we could kind of ha- hash this out forever. They want to abolish the monarchy. Like what? <laughs> Well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is. So yeah, I don't, and off the top of my head, I can't remember the brand, but like I carry gold, right? But I mean, there, there's other like imitations. I'm sure Aldi has an imitation of carry gold. May I offer a brief meditation on butter, a brief pay on sure. to, to butter. Sure. There's this movie throw away. Just, it just, it was fine. Comedy romance, 2006 movie, last holiday starring Queen Latifah and Gerard Depardieu. And Queen Latifah plays this like um, chef at a um, like a kitchen kitchen department in a department store who like just trying to sell pots and pans by showing like show it like baking stuff in them like and she gets this false diagnosis she doesn't know it's false at the time mm. that she's gonna die in like four weeks and she's like okay. <laughs> Live it up. Uh, this yeah. this stinks. Okay, so she cashes out all her savings account, and um, because all she's ever really wanted to do is to meet her her favorite chef. Like, she's kind of a frustrated chef, never kind of went anywhere or did anything with it. And it's, Gerard Depardieu. Gerard Depardieu. In this in the, this European uh, resort, and and she meets him, and actually they hit it off, <laughs> and they have this hilarious conversation at one point. They're just like strolling down this picturesque cobblestone alley in the twilight of some medieval town center in Europe, somewhere in the Bavarian Alps or something. Um, and and she's uh, Gerard Depardieu says to Queen Latifah, Queen Latifah, do you know why we get along? And she's like, no. And he says. You and I both know the secret to happiness. And she says, oh yeah, what's that? And he says, more butter. <laughs> and um, that has um, really made a lasting impression on me in life. And I, I feel like that there's a kernel of deep truth. I mean, the French are renowned for their food. And also it is well known that when you eat a French meal, <laughs> you're getting what, like a stick of butter? More butter. Like yes. it, it, there's just a lot of butter in, in French food. It's, it's, it's just part of, part of um, what makes it great. The French so the secret, question, right? French secret is what? Coffee and cigarettes for breakfast and then butter and wine for dinner, right? 
and, and saturated and, fat and, and uh and um uh goose liver pate goose liver right and and that's it and then you get to be skinny and that's the french secret so I knew this Kirk, was like a, you... like a like a highly successful dieting podcast can you transition from there um to confessing jesus as the christ well everything i just said is a lie but peter is about to say a great truth Today's gospel lesson comes from Luke chapter 9, verses 18 through 24. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, The Christ of God. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but ever loses his life for my sake will save it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So here we are, Kirk. This is the second Sunday after Pentecost. Uh, finishing up this, I guess we, we just finished up this great stretch of the liturgical calendar from the first Sunday of Advent, and then walking with Jesus through, his, through the incarnation, through his revelation to the nations. Uh, we were in the wilderness with him, uh, fasting for 40 days. Uh, we walked with him during Holy Week on, on his path to the cross, um, to his crucifixion, to his resurrection on the third day, to his 40 days with the disciples, to his ascendant, um, ascending to the Father on high, to the day of Pentecost. And then last Sunday, we had Trinity Sunday, which is the yes. first Sunday after Pentecost. And we have those three great feasts that I think we figured out were uh, 14 days, 17 days apart, however many days. Um, and here we are now in what we call ordinary time. Um, as we count uh, ordinal numbers, the, the second Sunday after Pentecost, the third Sunday after Pentecost. And this particular um, reading is, uh, it's, it's called, the, the word just flew out of my mind. Uh, it's it's um, seven, what's the word is it, Kurt? Proper, yeah, proper, proper number seven, yeah, um, and, and that has to do with the length of the Epiphany season, and um, so had uh, Easter been earlier, and uh, this uh, the season after Pentecost started, ordinary time started earlier, uh, we would have gone back earlier in the Book of Luke, 
but instead we miss those here in, in uh, year C in um, the lectionary. Year C, of course, we said we've talked about how the year C is the Luke year. And so we like walk through Luke uh, with the life of Jesus. But now that like we're done following Jesus in his life and we're in ordinary time, we go back now to Luke chapter nine. And then we'll kind of sequentially work our way we're forward. We're going to spend a long time in Luke. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It's a great book. Yeah. And for the second lesson, uh, which we don't discuss on the podcast, but um, we start in Galatians. Mm -hmm. It's kind of midway through, um, work way through Galatians, and then we'll move next on to Colossians. We get to work through um, um, some of the epistles. Uh, so you may, at church, you may hear, if, if you're in a church that, that walks through the same lectionary, you may hear sermon series on on um, the epistles rather than the gospels. So anyway, uh, I just want to orient ourselves, Kirk, um, going back to Luke 9 yeah. and orient yourselves with, with Luke in general as a narrator of these things. And remember that Luke is not, he was not a disciple. He did, was not an eyewitness to these events, but um, he went back and interviewed eyewitnesses and um, relies on the narrative of others. Um, and so here we see him kind of rely a little bit on, on the Markan narrative. And, um, you know, he has his own emphases. Um, one of these things is, is that um, he is a little bit less concerned with place, that, that this, these events occur at Caesarea Philippi, which we know from other gospels, probably, well, we'll just say Mark and, and Matthew. Um, but, but Luke is less concerned with conveying the, the place where, where this happens, um, where uh, we, when we talked about the Mark account of Jesus, of Peter confessing Jesus as the Christ, it was kind of significant that outside of Caesarea Philippi, which is like, has this like pagan temple to the emperor, right. um, um, to confess Jesus as, as the Christ and, and Lord of all these things, um, is actually a significant place for that to happen. Um, Luke nine begins with, it's, it's interesting, Jesus kind of method his mentorship of his disciples luke 9 begins with him sending his disciples out um giving them uh sending them out to proclaim the kingdom and giving them power to cast out demons and power to heal and it's like this um action reflection there, there's a better term for it that's not coming to me but this idea of like there's some classroom time but then you you send them out to do that work and then you come back and reflect on it um and then luke 10 interestingly begins with that next group being sent out, the 72, um, that, that uh, this different group he sends out that he's preparing. He didn't just wait. Uh, it wasn't like, I'm sure, Kirk, at the end of your education program, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I know for a fact, because we talked about it. You were just excited to just get out there and, and like enough of this classroom stuff. I just want to get out there and, and teach. And uh, you're yes. just itching for it, where Jesus didn't wait until his ascension to be like, okay, all these things I taught you, now go do them. You know, he... He kind of gave them an opportunity to do them, right. not only the 12, but then the next chapter, the 72. So he's, he's like training um, people to do the work of ministry and, and proclaim the kingdom. And um, in today's reading, starting at uh, verse 18, it's, it's kind of an interesting verse, Kirk. It says, he was praying alone. The disciples were with him. So just to uh, make that make a little bit more sense that um, Jesus, like, you know, he's with his disciples, avoiding the crowds. We, we see him mention the crowds in this verse. Um, but even when he was with the dis his disciples, he would withdraw a little bit to pray that his prayer life with the father was a very, very important thing um, that he would um, be with his disciples. But, but uh, it's not insignificant that Luke includes that he was alone, that he withdrew right. 
on his own for time in prayer with the father. Yeah. And we um, get just a couple chapters later, right at the beginning of Luke 11, where there is disciples like, so what is it that you're saying to the father? Like, teach us how to pray. Mm. Right? And we get the Lord's prayer there. But. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, this comes immediately after the feeding of the 5,000, um, which is interesting how he in- includes the disciples in that. Like, he's like, you give them something to eat. Um, anyway, orienting yourselves where we are. Um, and he asked the, the disciples, who do the crowds say that I am? Again, uh, earlier, um, we see Herod kind of confused, wondering who this person is. Did John the Baptist come back to life? Right. Um, was this, you know, Elijah or Moses? And so they, they kind of answer what the crowds say. And, but then, you know, he turns to them. And for me, this has always been significant, like asking ourselves, like, who, do, who, do, who does the world think Jesus is? But also like Christian, <laughs> you. Kirk, Christian, who do you think that Jesus is? Because that's a different answer. Yeah. Um, everyone kind of uh, con- concocts this image of who God is and who Jesus is. Um, but it's important for us to answer that. Like, who is Jesus to us? Um, and then also, like, what's significant about that? So saying he's the Christ means he is, he is the Lord of our life, um, of every aspect of that life. Um, that, that he is not just the Lord of, uh, of forgiveness of sins, um, to think in like pagan terms of they had different gods, like the God of agriculture and the God of this and the God of fertility. And, and if you wanted something from, if you wanted fertility, you'd go offer a sacrifice to that God. Right. The Christ is the Lord of our lives. He's the Lord of our time. He is the Lord of our finances. He's the Lord of, of our, of our loves. Well, as, as the hymn that many of us love crowning with many crowns says, not crowning with many crowns. Yes. I'll hail the crown power Lord of Jesus of name. Oh, okay. Crown him Lord of all, all, <laughs> all yeah. his lordship knows no bounds. His kingdom has no end. Yeah. Yeah. And what I'm going to emphasize tomorrow in my sermon uh, is um, just this season of ordinary time. Kirk, what's the color associated with ordinary time? It's green. It's green. green. The color just I can't a- see. <laughs> and just as on Rogation Sunday, we emphasized um, our reliance on God to provide, um, that we may plant seeds, um, but we, we rely on God to, to protect those things that, that hail and wind and disease and pests, um, can destroy crops, um, that, that spiritually also, um, there, there is, there are both things going on in this green season of growth, the season of uh, this ordinary time, green is kind of a season of growth. And so spiritually, um, how do we grow? Well, Kirk, we're not Pelagians. Um, we don't believe um, in like bootstrap theology, this idea that um, it's that we are saved by grace, but um, sanctified by works. Um, however, we, we do believe in um, leaving grooves in our lives, in, uh, in organizing our patterns. time, reliable patterns, in allowing God to work. Um, we don't just, uh, Kirk, we had a mutual friend in college uh, who, see, he just lived odd patterns. He didn't seem to eat a, a lot. And we had <laughs> joked that he would just like put on his green shirt and go outside and photosynthesize. Right. <laughs> That is not the life of discipleship is to just like, God, do your work. I put on my green right. shirt and I'm sitting out here. Um, there is this, uh, there are these spiritual disciplines. There's this time that we establish um, for the Lord to work. Um, but ag- while acknowledging that like, while we plant, 
Um, you know, Paul uses this language of uh, I planted Apollos water, but it's God who provides the growth, right? Um, that, that, that there's this, there are these things that we do that God calls us to do, but then God, God is the one who works. Mm. Um, and what does that look like? Uh, we see that in verse 23. If anyone co- would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Mm. That um, this life of, of discipleship um, is a daily taking up of one's cross, remembering that that we um, we adorn our churches with crosses, that we wear them, um, but the cross is something that's that that represents pain and suffering and misery and humiliation and death. Um, the taking up our crosses is uh, we're taking up hard things um, daily uh, as as we follow Jesus um, and following Him. So that means taking up new things new habits, new things that Christ calls us to that might be difficult. Uh, and it may mean leaving behind other things that we don't want to leave behind. Um, but that is, that is the Christian life. Um, the Christian life is not your best life now, but it is a, a life of daily taking up of one's cross. And yet, our hope is that our discipleship, um, as we think about that colic for endurance from morning prayer kirk yes um that as we walk the the way of the cross that it becomes nothing but life and peace um and this always makes me think of uh the 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 poem the cast their nets in galilee which talks about the disciples and um how they 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 were simple fishermen who went and followed jesus um these great things that Jesus did and, and it, it brought a great deal of strife and the final verse, um, that the peace of God, it is no peace, but strife closed in the sod. Yeah. Let us pray for, but one thing, the, what, what is it? The, what peace of God, um, the, <laughs> the glorious, peace. the marvelous, the, marvelous piece, of the God. marvelous piece of God, uh, that, that, that these disciples, um, the strife that they endured for Christ's sake, um, if they could go back and, and choose again, they would choose Christ in a second. Um, and so I, the thing that I urge um, each of our listeners to in this season, um, in, in light of this passage, um, if you are enduring uh, difficult things, um, to, uh, to pray for endurance and to pray that, that the things that are a, um, a burden now become uh, become edifying and become uh, things that are comforting. There's, there's another uh, poem, another hymn uh, that's really interesting, Kirk. Do you know the, the hymn, Love Constraining to Obedience? No, never um, heard it. Okay. Um, the, the, the last line um, is, uh, talks about turning duty into choice. That, um, well, I'm, let me just bring it up right now constraining constraining into obedience yes interesting um the the whole hymn is about um our wills and our loves changing um as we daily take up our cross Hmm. i'll just kirk i'm just gonna um i'm just gonna read it for us all right no strength of nature can suffice to serve the Lord aright. And what she has, she misapplies for want of clearer light. As in, Kirk, 
It's not a natural thing to live this life of Christ that we, that this is like the anti-Pelagian thing that like simple, like do more, try harder is not sufficient to, um, for, um, for transformation that the scripture promises. How long beneath the law I lay in bondage and distress, I toiled the precept to obey, but toiled without success. Then to abstain from outward sin was more than I could do. Now, if I feel its power within, I feel I hate it too. So do you see the, the, the will of the writer, William Cowper, um, changing? Oh, that's a I William hate the things Cowper. I do. Okay. Yes. I toiled the precept to obey. Like I'm working hard to obey. I toiled without success. Um, I was trying to abstain from sin. Uh, it was more than I could do. And I feel its power and I hate it. Mm -hmm. I hate that I am that my will is bound to sin. Then all my servile works were done, a righteousness to raise. Now freely chosen in the Son, I freely choose His ways. There's that turn that we see, um, that that like the Spirit changing our very loves, um, the things that we desire. That's uh, that that is um, evocative of uh, one of the colics in morning prayer. Um, it says, uh, "Whose service is perfect freedom." right? Mm, yes. That our service of Christ is perfect freedom. Yeah. Two stanzas left. What shall I do was then the word that I may worthier grow. What shall I render to the Lord is my inquiry now to see the law by Christ fulfilled and hear his pardoning voice changes a slave into a child and duty into choice. It's a beautiful depiction of this taking yeah. up of one's cross. Absolutely. Christopher, yes. if there were a Haber-Rose bingo card on it, <laughs> uh, perhaps. Are you going to say, choose the, low route, choose the low road? Uh, no, that would be on it, right? Way of the cross. Uh, the way up is down. Yep. Um, another one would be uh, me analogizing everything to the Lord <laughs> of the Rings. <laughs> mm. Um you have this long goodbye at the end and uh and after it becomes clear that frodo needs to go away um that something has changed and and middle earth is kind of no longer really a home for him the way he's kind of been touched um by the ring and by his 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 journey and sam goes back and he and he, he marries what's your name rose and um and 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 he goes back to the work of well tending his garden and life mm. in the Shire. And, and in part of the long goodbye is it's kind of us seeing that, um, that what's uh, the adventure isn't the normal part of life. The normal part mm, of life right. is the boring stuff. Yeah. It's, it's making dinner for your kids and then putting them to bed and uh, you know, tending to the harvest and all that stuff. Um, and we've, uh, we've finished uh, the once in a, eternity uh recollection of, of 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 these events right like god was only going to be incarnate of the virgin mary once and only going mm -hmm. to live 30 years and do his teaching once um and this this enormous thing that was only going to happen once his atonement for all mankind all mankind once upon the cross um this momentous thing that we take we spend from advent one um, through Pentecost, we spend kind of half the church year recollecting. Um, um, just like the Lord of the Rings, we get we 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 spend we read about um, the, the the ring is only going to once be cast into Mount Doom, right? 
Um, so we read about this once, but actually most of life in Middle Earth is just life in the Shire, right? Uh, most of our life here um, after the ascension, after the coming of the Holy Spirit, is the work of the church, right? Um, is tending our garden, right? And you said green is an apt metaphor for that. And this is actually, this is unintentional. Um, it's, it's an accident of the lunar calendar, right? It's not like yes. <laughs> every first Sunday of ordinary time is the confession of Peter as the Christ. Right. Um, but this is, this is an interesting way for us to start um, because um, what is, what is it that Christ is Lord of all, as you just said, right? Not just, he's not just Lord of the harvest or Lord of fertility or Lord, God of the moon or God of the sun, um, but he is, he is Lord of all. Um, you said we're going through Galatians, right? Um, Galatians 3, uh, the New Testament lesson, the epistle for this Sunday, um, makes an interesting point that um, Christ's function in our lives um, as those who have been baptized into Christ is the elimination of all divisions, of all distinctions, mm, yeah. right? Um, there are not owners and slaves. There are not Jews or Greeks. Um, for we are all one in Christ, and we are all Abraham's offspring, all heirs to his promise, right? The great divisions in the Mediterranean world in the first century um, for God-fearers would have been, you know, between legitimate sons of Abraham, sons of the promise, and then God-fearers, right? Um, but those who could not enter, you know, the inner courts, um, those who were uncircumcised or whatever, and, and Christ kind of upsets all those distinctions. And I know we don't do politics on this show, so I won't. Um, but uh, it, it strikes me, we are in a, a real time of discontent in which um, distinctions are driving us all crazy and making us all hate each other. Um, we are in a, mm. uh, the, the, the state church, the United States state church right now, the highest liturgical month is June, which is all about celebrating distinctions. Um, and it's just interesting that instead we confess Christ, who is the eliminator of distinctions um, and that is our hope. So I, I think that, that that is the way we begin ordinary time this year is providential and the good reminder. How's that? That's fantastic. Any, any other thoughts before we? No, I, I, I think it's such a solid wrap. Um, I, th I think let's put a cap on that and, and uh, like cap it off as in like that's the metaphor I'm using, not like bust a cap in it um don't shoot it dead uh <laughs> shall we move on to our culture topic let's do it From the sacred to the profane, <laughs> and by profane, I mean profane. <laughs> Christopher, we are going to talk about winning time. Winning time, the rise of the Lakers dynasty, is a, an American television series for HBO Max. It's based on a book by Jeff Perlman, Christopher, which I got to read. I got to read. Yeah, I, me too. Kinda, Same. It's kind of been on, 
been on my list in the back of my head, but I actually have to physically put it on my reading list. Um, the book was called, it's a mouthful, Showtime, Magic, Kareem, Riley, and the Los Angeles Lakers Dynasties of the 1980s um, by Jeff Perlman. And the first season ended about a month ago, six weeks ago, and kind of it never worked out for you and I to talk about it. So um, if you've seen it and it's already in your rearview mirror, I'm sorry we didn't talk about it when it was fresher. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, uh, we, maybe we can give you some food for thought. You can decide whether you want to see it or not. And, um, and just, I guess, I guess a warning um, that, that it is profane. There's a lot of profanity. Um, <laughs> it's there's very also, HBO. There's, and there's also nudity. Yeah. It, very HBO in, in that sense too. And so it, it's not for everyone. So may, maybe this um, summary will be sufficient for you. Yeah. So and, here's and the premise. Maybe you want to read the book. <laughs> yeah. Here's the premise. Um, it's a dramatization of, um, it's kind of on two levels of, uh, you have on, on the one hand, you have the professional level, the Los Angeles Lakers, um, who at, at the end of the 1970s were superficially a successful organization. Um, the, the NBA logo is, is a silhouette of Jerry West. Um, however, they had only, I believe, only won one championship in the 70s. They, were, they had really been owned by the Boston Celtics. And they were low level. They were owned by Jack Kent Cook who is kind of oddly, I think he also owned the Washington Redskins oh, yeah. yep. at the time. Um, uh, but, but they kind of quietly were a sinking enterprise. And I think the NBA at the time um, was on the edge in terms of uh, kind of on the edge of financial ruin. Um, I think yeah. they were, it, this, is, this is hard for us to picture now right. that they were behind the NHL in popularity. And of course, they're, they're. I mean, I don't even think that the NBA Finals were necessarily they're, televised they're, everywhere. Yes, on the tape delay, maybe, or the 1980 NBA Finals, which we can kind of get to, were were um, on CBS on tape delay. <laughs> That's crazy. Which is crazy to me because, um, you know, if you're most of the population in 1980 would have been in Eastern Standard Time Zone, and if you're you're putting stuff on tape delay that was in LA, like how late was it? Was it the next day? I don't even understand. I, I'm curious to know. But so, so on the one hand, you have um, this depiction of the purchase of the Los Angeles Lakers by this weird um, <laughs> PhD in chemistry, Jerry Buss, who actually also, in in addition to being kind of a, a brilliant chemist and an engineer, is is a like a a sybaritic playboy <laughs> basically and you see it right well, and, and it turned into a real estate magnate like um he had made his money yeah. in, in real did, estate did he, like right? buy yeah. the chrysler building isn't that part of what he used as yes. a lean yep. to purchase yep. uh purchase the lakers um so but you also you, you were emphasizing the the playboy nature of him yeah know? so you have the care you, you have the the arc of the los angeles lakers and the nba kind of as a, as a, as a franchise as an entity as a um kind of a fixture of, of, of American culture that, that kind of is on the edge. Is it, a, is it a part of the American story, the American landscape, or is it not? And, um, and also you have the, uh, the personal lives um, of the characters and, and the title of the book really kind of tells you who, right? You have uh, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and, and, and Pat Riley. But Pat Riley kind of isn't, isn't as front and center as Magic and Kareem. So that's, that's the premise. Christopher, um, we can go in a bunch of di different directions. I wrote down some themes I want to talk about, but um, what it, what it, where do you want to start? 
Um, I want to start with with what I liked about it, which okay. um, which was a depiction of uh, this new way of playing basketball. Basketball, um, some of the so, so winning like the Showtime Lakers. Uh, when we say Showtime, that that means many things. That means Pat Riley slicking back his hair. That yeah. means um, cheerleaders. That means um, putting on a show out, um, you know, in uh, Where's Inglewood? Like it's it's not you know in in a glamorous location, um, but like making the 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 forum um, glamorous again. Um, but what interests me is is the basketball side of that. Is that um, the seventies had had kind of not featured the best of basketball. It was kind of like isolation ball, not fun to watch. Um, Dumping you know, into the big man, very big man. Dumping right? into the big man. He he grinds, grinds, grinds. Um, and, uh, so, so I know very little about the story. This is why I need to read the book. Um, because in the show, John C. Riley playing, uh, who plays Dr. Boss brilliantly, like yes. watching John C. Riley act is, is just a joy. Um, I, I don't know what his basketball mind was because at first he becomes obsessed with hiring Jerry Tarkanian from UNLV. Right. Um, but that was just like. I guess my complaints about the show are it's, it's just too dramatic. Like he goes to hire Jerry Tarkanian and basically the mob ends up like killing people because of it, <laughs> like death results. Um, and so he's realized that I can't hire him. Uh, and like whether you're lucked out or whether it's sheer brilliance, he realizes that this X's and O's guy, this assistant coach for the Portland trailblazers, Jack McKinney, um, Jack McKinney is the key to remaking um, the Lakers uh to breaking out of this, this and McKinney's just... premise is really interesting in that it's sort of analytics driven in the way that like baseball is now. It's that he he in the first film session with the Lakers, he said, "This is this is um, your prototypical possession. You guys average oh. eighteen seconds per possession. Here, uh, Norm Nixon dribbles down. He dumps it into Kareem. Kareem passes back out. Dumps it back into Kareem. Skyhook bucket. That took eighteen seconds." You guys scored uh, you know, 92 points that game. I want to get every possession down to it. And I don't, do you remember what it was? 12 seconds, something I like don't that. remember. And if we shoot the same percentage at 12 seconds, we'll score 120 points a game. Maximize possessions and like, and like an idiot. Yeah, yeah, right. Like they just don't speak that language yet. <laughs> right. um, but it's a thing that, that, I mean, kind of is taken for granted now of, of just like. More possessions is more points. And, and. <laughs> analytically like um that that just gives you a better chance um like even a great defensive team like the the 90s cleveland Cavs, who uh, under mike fratello who famously like just slowed it down yeah. <laughs> wanted to win just grind it down and just have like as few possessions as possible well, they use the counter positive right yes they yeah. said if you have right 10 fewer possessions <laughs> you were a game you will score fewer points right so <laughs> But but to 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 make changes uh, at the margin um, to like the the more possessions you have, um, even just marginally better defense um, will give you more opportunities to score and yeah. and to to like you can miss more shots and still um, win the game. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah, the, the math just works. And um, they they discovered the the perfect player for that. Who's Magic Johnson? He's the perfect player um, for this kind of ball. A guy, a, a guy who can see the floor, move the ball, pass brilliantly. What we would now call um, a low volume player. Like he doesn't right. need a bunch of shots 
um, to, uh, to, to, to like kind of be in his groove, right? He and, wants to pass and he wants to run and pass. He wants to get out and run and pass. Yeah. Which Kirk is a beautiful, uh, it's just fun basketball to watch. Mm-hmm. It's not the grind out basketball. <laughs> and what's funny, Kirk, we talked about this, not on the show, but like before or after we, or before or after a recording about how by the time we were kind of aware of basketball, um, <laughs> this era had kind of ended. Yeah. <laughs> like this innovation that, that the, the Showtime Lakers brought um, was, was just, just killed by like the, the partly by like the Detroit Pistons, the Pistons. who just decided that like, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like just... if we punch you in the face <laughs> and you're on the sideline with a concussion, you can't fast break anymore. <laughs> And and so uh, it 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 really took. Um, I, I mean, there are probably teams in the '90s that um, were exciting and fun to watch, pushed the pace. Phoenix Suns, Phoenix Suns, but really, it was in the early 2000s with um, the the Sacramento Kings yep. uh, with Mike Bibby, Bobby Jackson, um, the Phoenix Suns with Steve Nash, the Dallas Mavericks, who uh, you know made basketball exciting again. Um, now that's not to say like during the nineties, I loved watching the pick and roll Utah jazz. I loved that. But, um, but still even the Chicago bills, um, did kind of succeed a lot of time in kind of ISO ball, um, and, 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 uh, and just a different way of, of, of playing. So, uh, Kirk, but it, it depicts everybody warts and all, um, it, it, it shows why everybody hates it. That's on the Lakers, right? Cream hates it. Magic hates it. Jerry West hates it with the fire of a thousand suns. <laughs> well, I mean, they turn him into a clown and it's, it's unrealistic. And this, this is, this is my big complaint is that like, there's enough drama in the show. Like you don't need to exaggerate like wildly, you know, like, um, and, and turn Jerry West, who's not a clown. Um, they turn him into a clown and like, I mean, everybody on the inside is just like, that's not who Jerry West is. Um, uh, especially like um, he is a guy who, uh, yes, he was angry, Kirk, Perlman, but he was Jeff angry. Perlman said he, that is exactly who Jerry West is. Like, I think the author is like quietly pushed back. Like, no, I have not. Yeah. I've not seen that. I've only seen you know people who are just like, um, yeah, he was angry. Um, but like it was all directed at himself, not at other people. He would never choose somebody out the way he does um, on, on the show. And that's just not who he is. Um uh, but but the words and all like you see Magic Johnson and just the um, pr- promiscuity. Um, uh, Can we talk so, about uh, Magic a little bit uh, in a second. So how does it, yeah, how yeah, does yeah. It sh- like the, the promiscuity um, of him just uh, going through women and women like and so it, like I would say that's like the dark side of his flashy smile and denying um, pregnancies, like leaving kind of pregnant women in his wake. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, so he had kind of these two sides, the public side with the, the million dollar smile Kirk, mm-hmm. and the actor they cast to play him just yes. has this just amazing smile. And, um, but then in the background, he, he's, he's just a child, like just, um, sleeping around, um, you know, and you know, there were consequences for that. You know, he ended up with AIDS, um, uh, like from that, that, that promiscuity. Yeah. Let's talk about him, Kirk. Yeah. Well, the show begins with a flash forward, right? Mm. To the moment in 1991 when he walks out of kind of the hospital room and has to tell his wife that he has been diagnosed with AIDS. So the the show sets us up as the viewer to kind of realize that everything that's glitzy and fun about what we're about to see has consequences. Yeah, yeah. um, Has has profound and lasting consequences on, on everybody who's partaking. 
And we see that as well with um, Jerry Buss's, uh, we, we can we can get to his as well, his sleaziness. I, I mean, Kirk, the, 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 the sleaziest thing was um, his kindness to his mother's nurse. And yeah. then oh. as he's grieving the death of his mother, um, he uses his tears over his, his dead mother to hit get on. her into bed. Yeah. 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 Which, yeah. which but, was just, just gross. I hope that every viewer just felt like that was gross and not like Kurt, but there, there are probably viewers who are just like magic and Jerry bus. They're the man, you know, who, right. who just think that the, the, the whole showtime lifestyle is, is, is great. And uh, you know, the way of the cross is like, no, that's, th that is not the way of life. So someone had pointed out to me that HBO, um, I think it was my brother-in-law <laughs> uh, pointed out that HBO lures a certain type of lurid viewer in by sure. putting all the nudity in the first two episodes. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. And, and then, and then once they're lured in by that, then it gets around to the storytelling. And, and that was certainly kind of what Game of Thrones every season it's nudity yeah. was in like the first two episodes. And by, and, and then, by the end, it, it was just like, almost like the creators are like drumming their fingers. Like, I guess we got to, like, we just got to throw it in here. Um, like they didn't like, we it have was this not reputation now. Yeah. It was not even artfully done in any way. It was just like obligatory. Right. Right. So um, just kind of, you're, you're going to get heavy, heavy nudity the first two episodes and then and then it largely kind of goes away and gets around to the storytelling so it's very hbo in that way um, but it also does serve a um i think a um a moral maybe unintentionally i, I mean the, i don't think anyone at the writer's table here is is kind of a confessing christian um but but it but it unintentionally i think has kind of a, a, a christian moral center to it in that um well, it is, it is on one level, certainly tit titillating. We can't help but be repulsed by um, the flashbacks and forward between magic in, in these kind of, kind of or orgiastic moments. And then the, there's a cut, a, 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 like a scene cut that, that ends. It, it doesn't, the scene ends with a hard cut and suddenly he's on the phone with his girlfriend back in yeah. uh, Michigan, um, kind of talking sweet to her. And yeah. the moral repugnance that we feel after being titillated, you know, three seconds previously is a deep insight into the human heart, right? Mm. And into the fickleness of the human heart. And Magic's just a boy who went from a Seventh-day yeah. Adventist family, like, like a, a deeply religiously observant, observant family, you know, in, in working class Michigan, dad, dad is what? a um, Garbage truck driver? Garbage man, yeah. Garbage yeah. man. Um, they, they have a tight-knit church community. Um, very moral, very moralistic too. He's just a, just a, just a boy who went to Hollywood yeah. <laughs> and uh, with his smile and, and uh, you know, you know, his athletic ability and charm and, you know, what was supposed to happen. Right. And, and so I think there's a deeply Christian tale there as well. Um, and we'll get to later in the summer of the good Samaritan. Um, that is in this year's season um, readings. Um, I think we'll get to that somewhere in July in about a month. Um, and so, you know, uh, Magic has kind of in his life that kind of character arc. Um, he's kind of become a family man <laughs> hmm. and, and a philanthropist. Um, uh, he, he, he runs a bunch of different businesses. Um, he spends a lot of money on philanthropy. And of course, you know, AIDS has become a, a big 
big concern of his for for understandable reasons. So I think the show has it, it, it doesn't it doesn't flinch from showing the consequences and the and the ickiness of, of it as well, even as as magic and you, the viewer, are being titillated. You see that as well with Jerry Buss, right? So he's a playboy. They're, they're constantly just kind of women cycling in and out of his life. He's divorced, um, but yet still deeply reliant upon his ex-wife. Yes. Very, very childlike ways. So women for Jerry Buss are, are um, people, women in his life are people that he relies on to kind of be the man in his life, right? Like his mom is his accountant, his bookkeeper, right? Like she holds everything together and he, he relies on her to do it. Um, and do, do you remember his mom has like a, a conversation with Jeannie Buss um, where he says like, we need to be strong for Jerry. It's like an odd inversion of gender yeah. roles, right? Like Jerry's going to be the child, the playboy, just does what he wants. So we need to like be strong and hold the organization, hold the business together. Well, he like screws up and messes around. Um, really interesting. So the, the point of women for Jerry Buss, according to this is really interesting, right? Like, so his daughter as well um, slips seamlessly into that mother role <laughs> once his mom dies, right? In, 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 a, in, in, in a weird way that kind of makes sense over the course of the show. And then um, of course, there's, there's kind of some deep sexism here. Um, when his mother dies, he has this conversation with Jeannie. He's like, well, we need, we need someone to be the CEO of the business now that mom's died. And she's starting to get excited. Like she's like, he's going to ask me, right? He's going to ask me, right? And he's like, so I'm going to bring your brothers into town and you can just see her shoulders slump. And then we meet her brothers. And what do they do? They watch um, what game six of the NBA finals at the Spectrum in Philadelphia. Um, not talking turkey, not talking business, just getting drunk, yelling at the refs or whatever, right? <laughs> and yeah, like, they're kind of dopey. They are, they are children too, and they're they're not capable of running an NBA franchise. Um, so that's a fun character arc, I think, as well. And we're going to see if there are subsequent seasons, we're going to see Genie Bus become who Genie Bus is. Which, if you know the real life, was the current yeah. current owner, and and yeah, like she is and runs them. Yeah, a highly successful human being. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I've monologued. And I started to go far afield. So thoughts on any of that? Yeah, all, all good stuff. Um, Kirk, I thought the casting was brilliant. Uh, yes. I mean, the and, and the actors are 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 fun to watch. I mentioned John C. Riley as Jerry Buss, but also um, I don't like Jason Clark's depiction of Jerry West, but he's great. <laughs> he's so good. he's he is he's an, an amazing actor. Um, he's got just I can't an interesting say face. the words that come out of his mouth. But like there, there's a like sequence of profane words that he says that like <laughs> I like during the baseball season when bad things broke down in our little league, I like I'm like, don't be Jerry West, because in my head, like Jerry West, like sequence, like, like sequences of words would like be cycling through my brain. Like he is like a cautionary tale of like what not to be around sports. Right. Yeah. Like chugging Pepto-Bismol behind the bleachers. Yes like muttering strings of profanity because he can't even bear to look. He's so tied up in knots. Do you remember that when he's just like pacing the basement of the floor? Yeah. Chugging oh, yeah. <laughs> he's just an intense guy, which made him, you know, that's why he's Mr. NBA, you know, like he's a brilliant player. Um, 
but I mean, the way the story, the story is told, it's just like that he was tortured by the fact that he only got one championship in all those tries. Um, and, uh, so he was great. Um, I, I like Adrian Brody a lot and, and I thought he, Oh, like he was great so to watch good. as Pat, as Pat Riley. Um, it'll be interesting to see that, that, um, evolution because there was one time he like looks in the mirror and you you see yes, like a future him with a the hair times. slicked back um but like i want to i can't wait to see him with the hair slicked back um yes because he's got floppy sideline. 70s hair yeah in in this in this um first season and a couple times yeah he looks in he looks into the mirror and he takes both hands and pushes his hair back and he's like shocked with like this premonition this flash forward to what he will become yeah. Hey Kirk, I know nothing about these guys, but I was surprised to just like click through, um, uh, just to read more about um, Pat Riley. Um, to click to like his Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. and it looks to me that he's a practicing Catholic and that he is married to, remains married to his first wife, which shocks me, shocks right. me, and and it fascinates me more about like who he is because that's not kind of the, like based on like the portrayal of him and just media and it's the way you see him and, you know, glitzy and glamorous um, South beach guy. Now um, it's, right. it's, it's, it's a bit of a surprise. Right. Um, so I, I don't want to make any assumptions about him, but, but that's kind of cool. Kirk Devon Nixon plays Norm Nixon. Are you aware of this? Yes. Yes. The Norm, Norm Nixon, Nixon is son. his son plays Norm Nixon and he's very good. <laughs> Kirk, I'm sorry. What were you going to say? Uh, I was going to talk about the, the Paul Westhead, Pat Riley, um, relationship briefly. Okay, go ahead. Um, so Paul Westhead, who later goes on to press the Jack McKinney insight at absurdum, like um, instead of spending twelve seconds of possession, what if we spent six seconds of possession <laughs> at what was it, Loyola Marymount? <laughs> Isn't that where like and like they have they have um, you know basketball games where they score in a college game one hundred and fifty points a game and give up one hundred and thirty five points a game, just like. Why, why spend any energy playing defense and just like make every offensive possession a layup? Which I don't <laughs> love. Like, I, you know, defense wins championships, but right. like I, I do get the idea of just playing up tempo and, and just like, right. don't let the other team, um, like you're the one who presses your will on them, not, not the other way around. And so, um, so, so uh, who is the, who is that Phoenix Suns coach who essentially was the one who did that? I don't know how many uh, seconds. He has an Italian name. Right. He has an Italian De, name and, and it's not De, coming to me. Not D'Amico. Dang. Rick D'Antoni. D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni. Rick D'Antoni. Uh, Mike D'Antoni. Sorry. Yep. He, Mike he D'Antoni, who, who yep. I don't know what the, how many seconds they, they were supposed to have, but like, I mean, they, uh, like with Steve Nash and um, not like a, I mean, they would have dominant players, but not like, they didn't have like a, it was like a money ball edge that he was like, right. It was a money ball edge. Like it wasn't like they had the best three or four players in the league. They, Steve they Nash, had... Amari Stoudemire, and then a bunch of parts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Sean Marion, but like, anyway, yeah. we're not talking about them. Let's <laughs> talk more about, do you want to talk more about Westhead and uh, well, yeah. So Westhead, they lean into the fact that he had been an English professor. Yeah. And um, I don't know if this is real, but I got tingles when, he at halftime of the game six, and we, we should talk about the championship then in a moment, um, because this is kind of the, the great dramatic arc of the of season one. Um, he he goes into the Henry V, we feel we happy few, we band of brothers speech. <laughs> I 
and you can see magic start to like profoundly nod um but pat riley can kind of feel the room like okay but don't 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 recite any other lines and he's like didn't he say another word in other words let's kill those effers and like the whole <laughs> the whole locker room like explodes like <laughs> but so yeah, there's a great dynamic between Westhead is sort of the um the self-doubting egghead and yeah. Pat Riley is the brass tacks um kind of relates to players and can bring it down to their level um I, I like that dynamic that's fun and Adrian Brody is just is just a chameleon a total chameleon um, he, he, he becomes Pat Riley to me. He, Adrian Brody disappeared and he was Pat Riley. And, and if you, if you love basketball, you know what that means. Um, we should talk about the championship because here's the thing. Um, I don't know how real this is and how financially on the edge, uh, the Lakers were, but basically winning time, the, the show makes it seem as if the Lakers need the revenue from an NBA finals, from hosting an NBA finals to be solvent. Yeah. Otherwise, the whole enterprise is in doubt, and maybe, maybe doesn't he have a balloon payment coming out? Like he takes I, I believe an absurd so. yeah. loan. Yeah. And so there's a balloon payment coming in like June or July, so it's NBA championship or bust. And so, um, uh, uh, we haven't mentioned the word Larry Bird once, right? But there's huh. this delicious rivalry where at Michigan State had beaten Indiana State a couple of years before in the uh, in the NCAA finals, and yet. The whole, uh, all of America still loves Larry and Larry gets, he what? He sits out one year so that he can not mm-hmm. be drafted by teams he doesn't want. He doesn't sit out. He, he goes back to Indiana State. Oh yeah. Okay. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, but but he, he was already like drafted. Draft. That's that's why. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was, he was, the Celtics selected him, but okay. he, but, and, and retained the rights. Right. He went back and beat Magic. I'm sorry. Magic. Magic. Magic, Magic beat, him. beat him. Yeah. 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 So, so in, in the, in the finals, but they both enter the year this, the NBA, same year as rookies. So first overall pick is a coin flip between the Bulls and the Lakers. And the Lakers win the coin flip and everything changes, right? So yes. they, they draft Magic um, against Jerry West's advice, according to this show. Um, and uh, and, and uh, despite a bunch of turmoil, they get to the, the finals. Um, and not Larry. And not Larry, right? It's Magic. And uh, they play the 76ers, Dr. J, Daryl Dawkins. Um, this is a Which, team. Kirk, an underrated, again, like I said, the, the, the natural drama, I thought, is sufficient. Like, you don't need to add, like, an over, like, the natural drama of we see them play the the uh, Sixers earlier in the season. Yeah. And yep. while um, his own team, like, th- there is a certain status that rookies have, the team kind of does not, like does not accept magic right away, right. or at least is like, we got to put you through the, the ringer before you, you know, you're accepted rook. Um, right. And, uh, and yet how does Dr. J treat the rook? He, he kind of takes him under his wing and gives him some advice, right? Um, yes and no. Yeah. Right. But, and then, and then there's right. a moment when he puts him and then the magic place. realizes that he kind of was played that he like, was, yeah. that like he took him out, um, partying the night before and essentially right. kind of distracted him that's right um and p- played his friend right. but on the court was a killer like right. he's like actually i'm not your friend like, yeah <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna slice you up with a yes. smile which is yeah. great and and he and dr j was cast very well as well um but yeah finals so, against so game five uh is a game five kareem 
who is having an MVP season and uh, we're, we're running out of time. We, that would be a, another great conversation of Kareem's character arc is so interesting. Oh yes. He that's, hates, I mean, that's what I want to talk he's about. He's burnt yeah. out and he hates the game. Well, yeah, we, we'll get to that in a moment then. Let's talk about Kareem in a moment. Um, Kareem, like what he twists his ankle, breaks his ankle, something he's out, he's out for he's game out. six. Yeah. And so magic, um, this is, I remember Christopher, our father telling us this story. And in the abstract, I thought it was, oh man, that's super cool. I didn't realize how, earth shattering how amazing it is magic goes out there plays center this is a point guard he plays center he learns kareem skyhook That's amazing yeah. scores 42 points doesn't sit the bench for a minute um and the world sits watching this thing jaw agape at this game in philadelphia where they're supposed to be blown out yeah um they're not supposed to have a chance they're, um the MVP movie is alleges, not playing the movie alleges there's not even a trophy in Philadelphia mm. because the NBA, it's in New York. The NBA didn't even think they needed to prepare for a championship ceremony. Um, and so there's this great scene where nervously um, NBA executives are like, get a helicopter <laughs> from New York now because we might have to have a championship ceremony in an hour. <laughs> um, and, uh, and there's a scene where, however, they had, they had to lead the whole game and, uh, Magic falls over. I forget if he's cramped up or he's just laying on the ground in exhaustion with about two minutes left. He has nothing left, nothing left. And Pat Riley walks over to him. Remember this? And says, 60 to six. Mm, yes, and yes. Magic looks up to him in incomprehension. What does that mean? He's like, that was the rookie of the year vote. Meaning, Bird had beat him 60 votes to six. Wasn't even close. And suddenly the magic, the smile, the pearly whites are gone. And you see for the last two minutes, a killer. <laughs> and I just yes. love that because everyone, magic's coping mechanism was always to, to be, smile. to smile. Yeah. Smile, smile. Like we're put on the mask, like whether he's angry or tears or whatever, or uncertain um, lacking certainty, lacking who wondering where what his place was, he would always smile. And and you know what? He he summons the energy for 120 seconds to finish it. And it's such a yeah. cool scene. I love yeah. that. I love the heck out of that. And it also <laughs> tops off just this longer narrative, uh, which I mean, Kirk, we we could discuss for probably an, really we could discuss for a long time hours um of, of just kind of race and yeah. um and uh kind of the route that um that took a uh, kareem on um yeah. as a young man um and and like it it depicts him probably pretty accurately as just very angry yeah um you know he turned um nation of islam yeah, yeah um to, like that's where his, his anger at the injustice of racism in in america turned him uh -huh. um and uh you know and in very quickly, he kind of schools magic um, here and there on like magic is kind of this kind of this um a, a guy who might buy into the um what is the <clears throat> like a Horatio Alger kind of, of view of of life of just like um, right. given given um, these skills and whatever like I you work hard in America you get rewarded and, right. and all all that stuff and and Kareem's just like kid you don't you don't get it like this owner like he he's going to pretend to be your friend but you're you're kind of his property right. um the unfairness of the media loving Larry Bird while Larry Bird 
um, is just a jerk. jerk. Yes. Right. <laughs> Uh, while Magic has got these this this great smile, and yet they voted sixty to six for for Larry, who's not even in the finals, right. um, which is just the the cap of of that narrative, um, which is really powerful. Kind of just seeing the world through Kareem's lens of of kind of his past and and a- anger and and kind of dealing with all of that. I just thought that that was really interesting. Yeah. And and there's a um, moment of foreshadowing of redemption where it shows Larry Bird, you know, back at his house in French Lick in Southern Indiana with his boys, you know, watching it. And they, and, and uh, one of his friends, brothers, something, father makes a racial slur towards magic um, and says, you know, look at, look at this bleep go. And um, uh, Larry just glares at him and says, yeah, but he's there and I'm here. Mm. <laughs> like you say what you want, but he beat me, you know, like, and which, sort of flashes forward to the relationship and the friendship, the deep friendship yeah. that they will have later that is forged through amazing competition. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting <laughs> that, you know, in the college championship, they faced each other and magic and what won. Did they, well, they end up facing each other six times in the NBA finals in the eighties. <laughs> I think, that, I think that sounds right. The Lakers had four <laughs> wins and I think their other three were over the Celtics. Um, and then the Celtics had, was it three I of their know. own wins? Um, <clears throat> probably over the Lakers. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, um, and, and yes, yeah, at some point, I believe it was a filming of a commercial where someone was like, Hey, let's, let's, um, let's have a, a commercial with these two in it. And it was the filming of that commercial. I, I believe that started their friendship, um, which, uh, has become an amazing friendship. These guys who were, who were just enemies, they hated each other right. because of the competition, but also they didn't know each other, but as they got to know each other, they, um, became just just deep friends, which is you know a beautiful thing. But I but I took you far afield of Kareem. Did no, I I, I think Kareem? it's just like um, the ra- racial dynamics and like the anger and, and like just I guess the the, the trauma of uh, I mean he was ready to quit basketball. Yeah. Um, in really sort of the prime of his career, kind of late prime. He was like a reigning MVP. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. but he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just sick of it all. It, it brought him no joy. Um, and uh, and a big part of that was was just. Um, Here's a Christian theme. Um, what brings him joy is um, Magic's love of him in spite of himself. Yeah. Right. Like, what changes us? is one-way love, God loving us in spite of our crusty, bitter um, selves that, that are unlovely and unworthy of love. So at the end, at the end of the first win of the season, um, Kareem hits a buzzer beater and Magic gives him a huge hug and is probably over-celebrating for you know game one. And Kareem is like, relax, kid. Um, it's just one it's game. game. What are you gonna give me a, a hug? Uh, hug every game and and ah oh, man i wish i could remember this line christopher what does he say he's like i'm gonna give you a hug every, after every win or something and then at the very end the very end of the season last episode cream is like you promised me a hug after every win i want one more mm. which of course you couldn't picture cream at the beginning of the no. show saying that at all I mean, he kind of hazes magic as a rookie. <laughs> yeah. He's like, bring me juice and in, in, the, in the paper every morning. <laughs> yes. And he brings him like a juice and he doesn't even touch it. You know, like, right. it's just like, I'm doing this just to make you get up out of bed early. And, and, and magic takes it. 
He takes yeah. it. And, and he's just like, I'm going to win you over with, with yeah, yeah. I'm going to yeah. win you over with a smile. And yeah. he does. Yeah. He does. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's, that's fun to watch. Kirk, we should, um, we, you know, I could talk forever about this. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's, Grab you know, this marathon. Yeah. <laughs> but let's not uh, put our listeners through anymore. <laughs> Shall we end so, in prayer? Let's. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. Lord of all power and might and the author of and giver of all good things. Graft in our hearts the love of your name. Increase in us true religion. Nourish us with all goodness and bring forth in us the fruit of good works. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Next week, I, I hope. I'll be there next week. That's next right. Week. So. We have no excuse. No excuse.